He kōnā e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. This week, Men in Black International. It's not just the stars who've changed. I want to know the truth of the universe. Suit up. Welcome to the Men in Black. The Men in Black. Don't. Don't start. I'm working on it. Sometimes, always, never features Bill Nye as that rare thing, the Scrabble Shark. You don't fancy making this a bit more interesting, do you? Roger, a wager. What? Muzjiks. An indentured Russian peasant. I knew I'd heard it before. And Wild Rose is a woman torn between her dreams and responsibilities. Thinking about your kids, you cast them off when you get a better offer. This is me trying to make something of myself, and surely that's a good thing for them. No letting them down, that would be a good thing for them. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. As we count down to the upcoming International Film Festival with its endless surprises and risky movies bravely walking the fine line between triumph and disaster, we're reminded how risk-free the rest of the year has become. I suppose if you're throwing around millions of dollars, some of them your own, to make films for an audience often a year or two in the future, you'd want to hedge your bets too. Our planet will perish... Welcome to a world of endless sequels and remakes where the major selling point is the title. This is brand name cinema with a vested interest in no surprises, thank you. The method is pick a title you've heard of, like a big hit movie of the recent past, then do a sequel. And when the first cast starts wearing out its welcome, reboot with a new one. We gotta get you guys out of here! Get on the jet! Who are you? I work with Spider-Man. You work for Spider-Man? I work with Spider-Man, not for Spider-Man. New plan! Spider-Man has had more reboots than the All Blacks in the past ten years. The X-Men have stopped and started so many times they've abandoned any notion of a plausible timeline. And next up in the remake, reboot, sort of sequel department is the latest spawn of the enjoyably silly 1997 movie Men in Black. Are you suggesting that we try the most powerful weapon in the galaxy? For fun? Yeah. Press the button. Maybe turn it up a few notches. Well, we'll soon see how much the first Men in Black film depended on the specific chemistry between stars Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Can it work again with two totally different players? Of course, brand name enthusiasm isn't just the province of the young and gullible. Older audiences are just as likely to be sucked in by a different sort of brand name. They'll see their favourite stars in just about anything. Would you like some of this? I believe it's called... If I can't pronounce it, I don't want to eat it. Imagine a film starring Sir Michael Caine and Emily Blunt, or one with Dame Judi Dench and Colin Firth, or even better, Bill Nye and Meryl Streep. What's the film? Who cares? See you on Sunday afternoon. Well, Meryl's not on today, but the always charming Bill Nye is in a sweet little film called Sometimes Always Never that fits him like a well-tailored suit. Whenever you make a decision, whatever you choose, 
There's another universe somewhere where you made the opposite choice. I can't remember where you said to meet now. Coast Guard Station. Is it near the sea? But is simple brand name enough? It will certainly get audiences through the door, but once there, the film will still have to deliver. There's no disappointment like being let down, whether it's a substandard blockbuster sequel or another favourite star stooping to an unworthy project. Invest? Invest in what? In me? In my career? In getting to Nashville? You'll remember her investing in Mary when she was in agony with her hip. 18-month waiting list. If she'd money to spare, she could have forked out in that. She's forking it out. Just give me a chance to earn it. Well, very little chance of that from the reliable Julie Walters, who's brilliant as the tough-love mum of a would-be country star in Wild Rose. But Dame Julie is just the support act. The star is a pint-sized ball of sheer talent called Jessie Buckley. So at least we can promise a happy ending to this show. But first, shades on, neuralizers at the ready, here come the men in black. Well, sort of. Want to know the truth of the universe? Suit up. Welcome to the men in black. The men in black? Don't. Don't start. I'm working on it. According to the hard-nosed Bible of the American movie industry, Box Office Mojo, this is the year of the disappointing sequel. Not quite, I'm sorry to say, disappointment with sequels or a desire for more original material, just disappointment with this year's crop. You will be with Agent Pete, one of the best ever to wear this suit. Catching up on my daily meditation. Time for lunch, I think. Are you hungry? It's 9.30. Oh, that's Tuesday's taco day. And the fourth outing of illegal alien romp Men in Black, subtitled International, hasn't done much to reverse the trend, despite the good-looking stars Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, first seen together in Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok. Come on. The world's not going to save itself. I'm driving. Joey? I thought that we were here. We are. Stefano, would you, Freddy? You got it, H. Chris Hemsworth is a breezy Aussie with a nice line in self-deprecating humour. He nearly always plays lovable bozos, as he does here. Tessa Thompson seems to be in everything at the moment. She's an early Sandra Bullock type, the earnest, plucky girl next door. Shouldn't we call it in? Oh, God, no. The paperwork is a nightmare. Yeah, but Fungus didn't look too good. I mean, he didn't look too good before, but... Well, trust me, I've seen him way worse. You know, this one time... And he's... We open on a flashback. Eight-year-old Molly looking out the window and watching two men in black chasing an illegal E.T. through the neighbourhood and then neuralising Molly's parents so they'll forget they saw anything. We are the best-kept secret in the galaxy. I want in. 20 years ago, you erased my parents' memories, but you didn't get mine. We don't hire, we recruit. Then I'd like to be recruited. But Molly escaped with her memory intact, then spent the next 20 years searching for the semi-mythical Men in Black headquarters. Which she does, of course, because otherwise there'd be no movie. It took me 20 years to find you. How many people can say that? I found you. Which makes me perfect for this job. 
Emma Thompson returns as the boss of the Men in Black. Cue a number of pointed Time's Up cracks. And against her better judgment, she recruits the newly named Agent M. And the first assignment takes her to London, where she meets the chief there, played by Liam Neeson. We have a problem in London. Agent M, welcome to MIB. Move it, lady. Top dog walking through. Yes, that's the return of Frank the Pug from the previous movies. And the other familiar element is the old mismatched partners trick. Agent M is assigned to Agent H, Chris Hemsworth. He's a loose cannon. She's uptight and by the book. How can it fail? Particularly when everything else is trying so hard to be just like the other films. You know who you're dealing with. We protect the Earth. And everyone and everything on it. That was awesome! We've got aliens of all shapes and sizes and the men in black keeping them out. Well, that joke was rather funnier back in 1997 when it didn't carry connotations of build that wall. The hive is a deadly species that can take the form of anyone, even our own agents. I haven't seen that before. We need more firepower. Side view mirror. What do you want me to do? Throw it at them? But I think on the evidence of the general tone of Men in Black International that any real-life parallels were the last thing on the minds of the producers. They just wanted to keep the fun level high and any deep thoughts checked at the door. If we could all just look right here. Just try. And it is quite fun if you don't think about it too much, or at all. Along with the likes of Godzilla, Aquaman, John Wicks and Shazam, this Men in Black is part of the new trend of deliberately stupid movies. Yes, they're all pretty dumb, but they're aimed at people who came here not to think, but to eat popcorn in deafening surroundings. Just point at the bad guys and pull the trigger. There's your mole the Men in Black. Sometimes you have to trust your gut. I confess I laughed several times, not always ironically, even if I'm struggling to remember much of the film a few days later. Chris Hemsworth was affable, Emma Thompson was clearly enjoying a flattering paycheck, and Tessa Thompson is on the verge of the big time given the right movie. But this isn't the one. You really think a black suit is going to solve all your problems? Mm, No. But looks damn good on you. Mostly, all that's wrong with Men in Black International is it's the fourth of a franchise that should have quit at number three. Time's up, to coin a phrase. We are the Men in Black. The Men and Women in Black. Yeah, ha. Perfectly done. Bill Nye has been a favourite on the screen ever since his breakout role as a has-been rock star in a film called Still Crazy, the part he later reprised in Love Actually. And since then, he's pretty much played the same role ever since, the faded but still charming older guy. Ask me anything you like, I'll tell you the truth. The best shag you ever had? Britney Spears. Wow. No, only kidding. (laughs) She was rubbish.
In other words, the role he plays in Sometimes Always Never. Alan's a tailor, hence the dapper suits, whose two obsessions are Scrabble, the gimmick of this film is that everyone is a Scrabble fanatic, and hunting for his oldest son, Michael. Michael stormed out of the house over a heated game of Scrabble years ago and hasn't been seen since. There are mysteries unsolved. You'd like this. It's like Scrabble, only with pig princesses. What's a pig princess? The younger son is Peter, played by Sam Riley, best remembered as Joy Division singer Ian Curtis in the film Control. Peter's the one who has to traipse after Alan on frustrating trips around the country whenever an unclaimed dead body is found. Could it be Michael this time? We'll have to make a night of it. No, no, no. We'll go on. We'll come back in the morning. It's already getting dark. I didn't bring a toothbrush. Which do you want? Cyberman or Dalek? But just because Alan's on a groomy errand, there's no reason he can't have some fun along the way. Like finding likely prospects staying at the same hotel and inviting them to a friendly game of Scrabble. You don't fancy making this a bit more interesting, do you? Roger, a wager. What? Muzjiks. An indentured Russian peasant. I knew I'd heard it before. A Scrabble hustler is a new one on me, though son Peter has clearly seen it before. This time he's horrified when it turns out the nice couple Alan's fleeced are actually in town on the same mission to try and find a missing son. You hustled him. Didn't hustle him. I smashed him. Their son goes, listen, they're going to look at the body. The one that might be our Michael. And you hustle him out of 200 quid. When you put it like that... When it turns out not to be Michael, yet again, Alan and Peter return to Liverpool. Peter's wife Sue and son Jack are clearly used to Grandad's endless mission, but they can also see what it's doing to Peter, despite his stoic support of his obsessed father. His brother went missing, and ever since then... The prodigal son. All he ever talked about was you. I'm the one who didn't run away. I always say the only good thing about jazz is that it scores very highly in Scrabble. <laughs> It's a film that fits snugly into the quirky Brit category, elevated slightly by the fact that it's about something more than just Scrabble. The parable of the prodigal son is invoked more than once, and how unfair it seems to be on the good son who stayed. No fatted calf for him. Obviously, you're welcome to stay. Grandad, that's my bed. There's a girl who walks past two bus stops to be at the same bus stop as her. But he doesn't speak. Meanwhile, grandson Jack has his own little obsession. The girl at the bus stop he can't get up the nerve to talk to. It's up to Grandad to raise Jack's chances with a knockout suit. The suit that gives sometimes always never its title. That's how often each jacket button should be done up, starting at the top. When this is done, the thing you have to remember about these buttons is sometimes, always, never. You look spruce. Doesn't he look spruce? The script comes from Michael Winterbottom's regular screenwriter Frank Cottrell Boyce and it shares Winterbottom's tendency to meander. Sometimes Always Never is all about the journey rather than the destination. But it does offer some charming travelling companions including 80s comedian Alexi Sale, the one actual Liverpudlian in the cast. Why oh. are you worried? He's a very experienced sailor, isn't he? Is he?
Sometimes Always Never is an undemanding Sunday afternoon film, though not entirely without something to say. Family relationships are an endlessly fruitful source of material, even if in this case there are a lot of British buttoned-up silences rather than the share-it-with-the-group confessions you get in a film from, say, California. Where have you seen those words before? In a game Scrabble. Our Michael used to play them. He's not coming back, you know. What have I got to be scared of? The only thing I'm scared of is dying before I sort this out. Worth seeing for the cast, but of course Bill Nye fans already know that. And it does boast a great music soundtrack from another blast from the past, Edwin Collins. A couple of weeks ago, I wondered how much the choice of music tracks in a movie affects an audience's enjoyment of the film. Hit songs aren't an exact science, and they're just as likely to turn people off as get them on side. And even when it is a good song, there's no guarantee that a mere movie star is going to be able to sell it. For that, you need, well, someone like Irish actress-singer Jessie Buckley. The country music is three chords in the truth. Just get whoever's in there out. I should have been born in America. I'm an American. You're young. You're incredibly talented. There is nothing you can't do. The film is called Wild Rose, but it might just as well be called A Star Is Born. Jessie Buckley plays Rosalind Harlan, who's driving ambition is to go to Nashville, Tennessee, and show Music Row what she's got. She's a country singer, a country singer from Glasgow, a Glasgow country singer who's just got out of jail. You're going to miss me. You're going to be the next Dolly Parton. Your Lordship, Miss Harlan has put her childish ways behind her. Her children are living with her once again. Do you miss me? She goes straight to her mother's place where mum has been looking after Rosalind's two young children. Mum, incidentally, is played by Julie Walters, who's an asset to any movie. When you put your mind to something, you can do anything. But Dame Julie isn't the point of the film Wild Rose. We soon find out what that is when Rose Lynn goes to her local country music club, sees an interloper singing with her band, kicks him off the stage by sheer personality and cuts loose. Current fashion for musicals and near musicals like Wild Rose has demonstrated one thing. In the end, it doesn't come down to the brilliant script or the wonderful acting or how well it's staged. It comes down to can the star hack it? And boy, can Jessie Buckley hack it. I keep a red bar on my side. So 
So that's what Rosalind starts with, and her task is to try and take herself to Nashville and get spotted. That takes money, and apart from singing, Rosalind is strictly unskilled labour. So she gets a job cleaning at the house of middle-class mum Susanna, played by the wonderful Sophie Oconedo. For a low-budget movie, Wild Rose has lucked into a fabulous cast. Come in. I, I was um I was just thinking I could give you some recommendations. Like strong women and all that. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love that. I'd love to hear you sing. Where do you sing? Is there um is there a scene? Oh no, no. Susanna hears Rosalind singing while she vacuums. I could probably hear her three blocks away when she hits those high notes. And it turns out that, like all posh women, Susanna knows people who know people. People like the legendary Whispering Bob Harris, the BBC's country music man. If you've got a voice, you've got something to say. But you know. At the heart of the story is the question, what is Rosalind prepared to sacrifice for her dreams? Her two kids are already damaged by her time in jail and the fact that they're regularly dropped off with the neighbours whenever she's got a gig. Mum is furious. thinking about your kids. You cast them off when you get a better offer. This is me trying to make something of myself and surely that's a good thing for them. No letting them down. That would be a good thing for them. But she's clearly got talent. Star Jesse Buckley at full tilt is so good. Jaw-droppingly laugh-out-loud good. It's not just her voice, but the way she owns any stage she goes out on. Dolly Parton would be proud. Hey! I'm trying to be a country singer. Nobody wants to see a convicted criminal up there. Johnny Cash is a convicted criminal, you ball bag. The film is about dreaming big, certainly, but in country music, those dreams are so often crushed by reality. Three chords and the truth, it says on the tattoo on Rosalind's arm, though its owner's grasp on the truth is rather shaky at times. Had to There's so, so much I can't undo. I wanted you to take responsibility. I never meant to take away your hope. But like every good country song, redemption may come late, but it does come. The pleasures of Wild Rose aren't so much about fame and fortune, even if, ironically, that's likely to be the future for star Jesse Buckley. It's about the joy of music rather than the lust for fame. There's something inside, and it's got to come out. Give that kid a microphone. So did I respond so well to the film because I'm rather fond of this sort of music or because it boasted a great performance from a brand new star or because it's a good, uplifting story? Oh, Rosalind, I, I'm sorry, I can't just give you money. That's what you're suggesting, which I'm sure it wasn't. No, it was. All of the above, I'm sure, but mostly I loved it because for once, Wild Rose doesn't depend on a brand name title or a familiar predecessor. It's just itself, and it's a knockout. And as the sawdust on the floor finally settles, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and next week we'll preview the upcoming New Zealand International Film Festival. So we hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Mm. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.